0: St. Dominic Media proudly presents Catholic in America, the show that engages the intersection of faith and culture. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, online, at our website, stdominicmedia.com. And please make sure to support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Dominic Media. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Catholic in America, the show that engages people at the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Father Michael Nixon. I'm joined, as always, by my co hosts, Father Doug Martin and Father Tom Dillon. Today we're looking at sex and dating.
1: And we'll be looking at some of the relationships between science and dating, sex and dating, and what's going on. So if you've ever wanted to have a sex talk with three priests (laughs) today's day -day. (laughs)
0: Thanks for joining us here on Catholic in America. Today, we're talking about sex and dating. Please be sure to like, subscribe, or share this show. All right, well, let's talk about the modern outlook on sex and dating. That's a pretty broad topic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: when you look at psychology today, psychology has lots of different Theories on when sex should happen. So, like the one of the earliest theories of what is when it's supposed to happen is within 36 hours, or after 36 hours, you should wait 36 hours before you should engage. Of contact. Of with the contact. Person. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not like yeah, that, yeah that's not like five, five, four, four, five, six dates. That would be probably one of the earlier theories um, from some psychological sources. Other psychological sources will say, well, you should wait six months. Um, there's a few, that say, longer. Some say whenever you feel comfortable, when you feel respect, and you feel that you know this when. Um, when you're willing to entrust your emotional security to this
2: person. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, also you, you hear uh, through psychology the, the compatibility thing, you know, of, of how, how will this person fulfill me? How, how are we gonna be compatible with each other? How are we gonna be able to live with each other and, and experience
0: this in a, in a very, you know, in a positive way or in a f- self fulfilling way? I think most people are learning about sex today through the internet, through and particularly through pornography. Pornography is kind of most people's first exposure to sex, sometimes at very young ages. And so that's the first image that they have, that's the first understanding, maybe even before they've gone through even gone through puberty, is that they have this exposure to this. So recognizing that for a lot of people, that's kind of the standard or that's that that's that's the image of when you think of sex, that, that that's that's the first thing that comes to mind for them as well.
1: I think that also in the modern world a lot of people are approaching sex from the perspective of um, sex being something which I'm using as a tool to get to know this person better. So like, especially before I commit myself to them to a long-term relationship or um, theoretically to marriage, like I want to explore and make sure that we are, and going back to like compatibility, yeah. like sex is a tool for seeing like, are we emotionally compatible? Like does, is this something, or is this person able to fulfill my needs? And so people are using it
0: um, in that sense to kind of, um, it's kind of an exploratory tool. Mm-hmm. And encourage too with that, uh, excuse me, That, that- Encouraged to look at it. this is how I find myself. That I find myself through these different sexual activities. So if I'm going to be dating someone and I want to know who I am within the context of that, then I need to explore that sexually in order to to, to know more about myself as well.
2: Well, and, and then the the other aspect of it is is just for for the pure pleasure of it. That it's not really even related to
0: relationships.
2: Yeah, it's a fu- it's a function.
0: Yeah. So when talking about sex and dating, obviously culture and society has shifted a lot in the past 70 years in the way we approach sex and dating. Maybe we can ask the question why? What you know? What's what's the reason for these shifts that we're now living in as a culture?
1: Yeah, I don't think that anyone would, uh, would challenge the fact that uh, media and especially the internet um, and technology has drastically changed the human perception and how we address and look at the question of sex in general and most certainly how sex applies to relationship because obviously the most the majority of people are learning about sex now, not in the context of family, but a lot of young people—I can't say all of them—but a lot of young people are learning about sex, um, their first experiences from the internet, and especially pornography has a huge impact because people are being exposed to pornography at such a young age now, um, just because of the ads and things like that that are coming across media, and through social media in, in particular. But just people who are going also like in the past like especially like traditionally like for thousands of years like you learned about sex in the context of community because like it was either your parents or it was someone in your family who taught you about it but now like there's no need for community at this point because of the use of media especially because I mean when you talk about sex in general I mean it's a kind of a, especially an uncomfortable topic especially for younger people yeah. so when that when mm-hmm. that discomfort comes in like now we have, Phones. We can go into the, in the, and that's where most people seem to be um, learning first about what sex is.
2: Right. And, and, you know, I mean, let's face it, today, people are spending less time with each other not i mean not just not just kids not just teenagers or even college kids but but adults as well we're spending less time with each other because we have other ways to kind of entertain ourselves or to keep ourselves busy or to to actually find the facts and the things that we're looking for it's it's a lot easier and and like you said it's a lot less comfortable to be able to go and do a search where no one knows necessarily what I'm searching for but, but to be able to ask those kind of embarrassing questions where with an adult, with someone you're talking to, you may ask a question and you may feel like you're a little embarrassed by even asking the follow-up question of that. But it's a lot easier when you have something in your hand to be able to look it up that way and not feel the embarrassment of it and be able to ask the, the questions that you want to have asked and get answers
0: for those things. I, I think, too, just kind of recognizing as a society, the response, the sexual revolution was a response um, to what can be considered kind of a, a puritanical movement in society, decency standards, and media, and other things too. People that a lot of pe- things that people rebelled against, maybe not talking about sex. So all of a sudden, kind of the, to go the opposite direction to rebel against that. That we're still in 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 sort of the remnants of that yeah. um, of of the, the sexual revolution. That there's been a, a huge kind of uh, rejection of of maybe even. Christian standards, Christian standards of morality and purity and and things like that, seeing hypocrisy, and and, uh, whether from your parents or from national figures or church figures, and deciding to go in a different direction of what we're going to make ourselves. But at the same time, that there are people who are making a lot of money off of this too. So it's not some sort of just grassroots, people are just finding their own liberation, that there are people who capitalize on the attraction to sex, and they're pushing that, and there's an addictive aspect to it that, none of us are immune to and all of us are impacted by because we have these images and these these uh these uh, products that are being put before us at all times that use sex and sex is kind of the tool that's 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 most sure most effective.
1: i think there's also the it's important also to recognize like in the modern world the standard by what we consider to be our truth standard so like how do you determine what is real and what is not and so like where does that come from because like in the past. Um, I mean, for thousands of years, like we had multiple standards of how you would evaluate that because like you do it through family who you saw as your authoritative figure who taught you truth. You could use philosophy. Philosophy was one way in which you could establish a standard of truth. And like now we have we're such in a scientifically driven world where uh, statistics, numbers, psychology, like what is verifiable and what is like true. But. A lot, I, what we've had is the, the shift, especially in like the last 70 years, is a move to exclusively looking at it through the lens of science and psychology and numbers and statistics as opposed to looking at it through the lens of philosophy as well as tradition.
2: Well, I think, too, I mean, some of it is, is a lack of historical perspective. I mean, looking back 70 years, I mean, if, if you're a 13-year-old or a 15-year-old or 18-year-old, even feeling the effects of, of the last 70 years, things have changed so much, where for centuries things were, I mean, for the most part the same, and the, and the shift was a lot slower. Now things seems to be shifting a lot faster because you have the internet and you have uh, technology and media and stuff. And so there's almost this historical context that if you asked someone at a particular age what they thought about the, the sexual revolution, they may not even really have a concept of it just simply because we're so far removed from that, from that perspective that, that it really doesn't even come into the conscience.
0: So we're going to shift for this next section here and, and look a little bit more about the intersection of faith of intersecting with the culture, these questions that are raised about sex and marriage. So you guys stay tuned, we'll see you in a bit. to Catholic in America. We're discussing today sex and dating. Please like, share, or subscribe
2: to this video. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider becoming a patron by going to
0: patreon.com slash st. Dominic Media. All right, so we're now at the third part of our program, and we've been looking at sex and dating. And we're going to talk about how our faith uh, interfaces with this. What, what our faith has to say about these topics that have been bringing up. A lot of, again, as we said at the beginning, it's a big topic and it touches on a lot of areas of life. So what does our faith teach us about sex and date, dating and why does it matter?
2: Well, I, I mean, I, I think faith does play a very vital role in, in this very topic. I mean, I think it has a, a lot to say to us and to speak to us. And, you know, first and foremost that, that comes to our mind is, is how did God create us? What did he create us for? Why, why are we here? What's the purpose of it? And I think all of that plays into how we're really coming to this topic and understanding sex in general. I do think it's also important, like when we're looking at this question
1: um, of the relationship between sex and dating, to first ask the question, like what you're kind of talking about, is like, what is sex? And so, because when we look at it, the question of what is sex and then we answer that question, we don't look and answer that question solely through the lens of science, because science is only able to tell us what happens. Mm-hmm. It's not able to answer the question of ultimately why. And actually even science has a difficult time of, of telling us the origin of things. Like even right now, like science can only really tell us like what is occurring, what happens, but like it doesn't give meaning. like it can't just go into the meaning of it. That's why like when we look at the question of what is sex, like we look at it through the lens of one, philosophy, because philosophy can at least theorize on the meaning of things, where things came from as well as where they're going. And then like, when we look at this also through the lens of faith, like faith in our Christian faith, our judeo Christian faith is able to answer those questions very concretely of like, where did we start from? And where are we going? And so like, I think there's also like this, this, in the modern world, especially the modern consciousness, many people are only willing to look and answer this question through the lens of science. But like, to really understand like, and to give the full breadth of meaning to this act, it's like when I'm doing uh, sacramental prep or when I'm doing marriage preparation for my couples, like, I talk with them about like, how do you look at sex? Because like, a lot of people look at sex as a function as a pure function, a function which provides pleasure, which is true and is good. But I was like, but when I asked my couples, I was like, do you look at sex and do you consider sex to be recreational or do you look at sex and and consider it to be vocational? Because a vocation is something which provides us with ultimate meaning versus a recreation is something which only provides us with temporary meaning. Mm -hmm. So a vocation brings us in lasting meaning where we find meaning and purpose. We're able to answer like, who am I? Where am I going? And, but in terms of like temporary pleasure, that's why like, how do we view sex? And that's why I think where when you look at, especially the influences of things which try to come in and say, well, this is what sex is. But it always, that's why like John Paul II when looking at especially like pornography, he said the problem with pornography and the modern view on sexuality in general is not that, that pornography shows too much, it's that it shows too little.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And that it, it reduces us Reduces us to body parts, basically, Correct. instead of totality of, of, of a person. I think for me, recognizing you know, I grew up in in a family of tremendous faith, and definitely sex wasn't something that was talked about. There wasn't you know conversations about this and engagement, and and uh, so as a result, unfortunately for myself, I learned all the things that we talked about at the beginning. I, I learned a lot from those sources. Uh, and for me that that became places of pain that there was always kind of a sense of anxiety or confusion or attack or or use You know when we talk about lust is bad um, not because you know some sort of uh, uh, Puritanical reasons it's bad because I'm, I'm making something beautiful and good into an object whether myself or somebody else. And so as I began to dive deeper into what the church teaches about this, that, that sex is good, created by God, you know, that he created our bodies are good, all, the, all these sorts of things that in a sense, societies had to relearn that it's not some sort of evil thing. And, but it's so good in that it's directed towards beyond itself. And that's what we, t- we talk about sex within marriage is not just that like all of a sudden yeah, there was this really evil thing, and then you get marriage, and now all of a sudden it's good. It's that it makes sense and is actually only truthful within the context of marriage. So then backing up, I think about like where, where we've learned about dating and what the church can teach us about that, about how to enter into dating relationships that are life-giving, I learned about dating from Full House, you know, growing up. I, I mean, like, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. just you know, as, as, as a kid in the late 80s and 90s, like, that, that, that's, that's kind of what I learned, or say by the Bell or whatever it might be. Right. Um, you know, old school would be happy days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, yeah. Like, like, oh, yeah. that's what it is to be a man. That's what it is to, to have a relationship with a woman. And so, in a sense, to kind of relearn, to look back on that, to so like, where did I learn about sex? How did I learn about dating? What are my expectations in those areas? And so much of it has to, do, and it comes from a place that's, and again, not to condemn, but comes from a place that's hurting and wounded and broken. And the people that are writing it, you know, whether it's a script writer for, you know, for Happy Days or something, or somebody who's producing a, a, a movie or a song, that they're speaking out of their own pain. So, what does this look like when I bring this to the fact that God made me good, that God created me to, you know, created me as a man? And that it's good that I'm created as a man. That sexual attraction is created by God. Actually, the Catechism says sexual attraction is the Creator's own gift. Yeah. Like, and a lot of people forget that. They think yeah. it's it's automatically something that's lust, and it's not. Now it right. easily goes towards lust, objectifying, using, manipulating, which cheapens of, it, makes it less. Absolutely. Right. So, so yeah. So that to me was kind of a. I have to keep. I had to keep relearning that over and over again. Of, of God's view of sex, and that leads into dating relationships as well, that these don't have to be something that's where I say, how much can I get out of this, but how can I love this person well and make them a better person? Wouldn't it be great if we had an expectation towards dating relationships where when you do separate, break up, that you're better people? Yeah. You know, th- because of that relationship, yeah, not, not in spite not of that not relationship. Traumatized. Right, right, yeah, right. Not traumatized. Yeah, not traumatized. Or
2: something's yeah. been taken from you. I mean, that that's a lot of times what happens in dating relationships is, is something's been taken from me, and so I'm not, I'm not... I'm not who I was, I don't have that part of me. And and sometimes, lots of times that comes when you introduce sex into the dating relationship. You do lose something there, and that is the point to
1: it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that it's also like, when you look at the difference between why people enter into sexual relations in general, like there are so many people who, and it's not just males, it can be females as well, just on the opposite side, because sometimes I do think that there's some validity to kind of saying, well, it's only men who are interested in, in sex for physical reasons, women are looking into it for emotional. No, I think that both genders are looking for it, but there can be a, the individual person who approaches sex in general is like, what am I looking for in this act? Because a lot of people
2: who enter into the act today are looking for physical gratification, pleasure. Well, and that you say that, I mean... Um, you know, I I remember, you know, even when I was growing up that if a girl called a guy, man, that was really, really forward. Oh yeah. And, and these days, it, no, it's, it's, the girls want what the guys have to a certain extent guys have been able to do this and find fulfillment or, or so that's what's said and so women girls are, are more than willing to be more aggressive about this Doug, and you're to kind so of get their own and thinking
0: that someone's <laughs> going to call another person nowadays.
2: Text, okay. yeah text them the, it is um, where I'm from or,
1: <laughs> or, or, or you're modern like they're going to they be texting yeah, yeah like yeah, you, yeah. you meet for for 12
2: hours now that's, and then like yeah. now
1: you have sexting right, which is right, going exactly. on which is kind of expected yeah, yeah. Um, at least that's what I see with uh, young people today is like there's this expectation of like um, you send me send me nudes send me send me different things like that and that's see if the, I'm even interested yeah see yeah. if you're interested yeah. and this is one of the way in which I attract I attract you yeah um, but even when people are looking at like the relationship mm. between sex and dating like some people are looking and for the gratification there are those others who are lo- looking at it to you for emotional for emotional security emotional right. dependency emotional like the emotional connectedness and so like that's where often time there's a lot of Conflict in the dating process is like what am I looking for in this?
0: I think the uh, just looking at this from a faith perspective obviously we're all priests and We're all sinners as well, but we minister to a lot of people who are Married some people that are divorced some people that are have experienced the the heartbreak of 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 uh, Adultery within the context of those relationships people that you know teenagers or, or young adults that are dating so it kind of a throughout the whole spectrum, as well as you get to people, you know, we just had a funeral recently that was just amazing of this couple that has loved each other so well for this this couple. I'm thinking it was 55 years of fidelity and love and forgiveness and and uh, death of children and all, all these sorts of things, so that people are all over that that spectrum. And, and, and so I think, what is the faith response to this? First of all, to me, is that this call to, like, you're made for more. And I think that's maybe something that, that we forget, that that this world around us tells us that we're only as good and as, as pleasurable as we can be to somebody else. We have to be good-looking, and we have to be, you know, some sort of sexual master and all these all these sorts of things instead of that, that our own worth and dignity that's inherent to us. But the other thing, too, is no matter where you've been, this may be something that we haven't always done the best job of, of calling out sexual sin or not having sex before you're married, or being you know, wait till marriage or true love waits—all these things, which have a lot of very good aspects, but to for people to feel that because I've done this, this is now who I am—that that you know virginity is just some sort of like magical status that I, I lose as soon as I step away from it—but instead to recognize that God is, is merciful, God wants to forgive, and that to me is so beautiful when I experience people who have maybe. Know, started having sex, started being used, abused, or using abusing others in the relationships and experienced the love and mercy of Jesus and experienced that, oh man, I'm, I'm worth more than this. And other people are too. Just the power of that really is, it's it's beautiful to see.
1: Yeah, and going, to, I mean, biblically and scripturally, like I go back to the, uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery. Mm. Is that like in this story, like there's all these men, interestingly, who have cast her down and are... And uh, in a very real point have placed her at their feet and are stepping upon her are like over and like using her as an object Jesus in that story is the only person who actually sees her in her identity hmm. He's the only one who's able to actually raise her up uh, Both figuratively as well as literally in that story where he casts out the ones who are crushing and making her something less than what she is And, and abusing her and abusing her yeah. Yeah. yeah that she has been turned into a complete object yeah. of their of their machinations There she is being used, and so like in that story, like Jesus, one he casts them out, and they run away in shame, like Adam in the garden, who has to run in shame, right? Starting with the oldest. But then he, he, seeing her in her authentic dignity, raises her up, forgives her, restores her dignity, and then says,
0: "Go and sin no more." It's, It's such a that should be the difference, you know. I think when anyone sees a Catholic or a Christian, they should see someone who's always striving towards that. We fall short but seeing to, not just to, you know, all sexual sin is fine, do whatever you want, just kind of a license sort of thing, but saying the incredible, uh, you know, heights that the gospel calls us to, to live integrity in our sexual identity, and our relationships with others, to live purity and chastity, and also simultaneously seeing people, even those who have fallen into sin, even ourselves when we've fallen into sin, as God sees us with love and mercy and in restoring that dignity. That that's that should be our, our our mission guiding principle at all times.
1: I think that another th- another thing like that our faith has to add to this is like the very real, the very real question is, are you happy? Yeah. Mm. Like people who are engaging in the hookup culture, people who are engaging in like pornography and sexting and all the things and like what's expected in the modern uh, dating and relationship, like are you are you satisfied like are you actually happy is this fulfilling you mm. because it like that's that's what the call the gospel says is that the gospel will fulfill you in the face of these like are you finding fulfillment in these in these in these
0: relationships that are there for one day and then gone the next because we're made for more I, th- I think about that. Uh, uh, Hugh Hefner, who's, you know, uh, famous for starting Playboy magazine right. and everything. He, t- he talks about, in an interview, he talks about uh, experiencing this, this inner emptiness from his own childhood, from a lack of affection growing up in his childhood. And uh, you think of all the objectification of women and stuff that he kind of unleashed upon the world. But, but, and he's, he, he talks about constantly seeking to satisfy something that none of this could satisfy. Having uh, these beautiful women that become objects of his of his pleasure for his pleasure, and it was never enough. And I think that's that's maybe um, you know kind of an extreme example, but all of us need to recognize that 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 what we're looking for can't be found in turning another person into an object or turning ourselves into an object, allowing myself to be objectified and used for somebody else because we're made for real and authentic love and only real and authentic love. Committed love. And yeah, committed right, love. Right.
2: Well, and, and, and I think, but I think that's what happens. I think that what happens is is people are searching for that meaning. They're searching for that love. They're searching for that fulfillment. And, and they start doing it at an early age because we're, we're hurt at an early age. And so because there's access to something that can heal that wound that, can, or we think will heal the wound. Kind of numb the not, ache a little bit. Numb maybe. the ache, yeah, 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 absolutely. That, that, that's where we go to it. And so we, we look for those answers there, like we were talking at the beginning. The the we look for answers in Google and YouTube because there's experts there on there that's telling us what to think and how to think about it, because there's a, a there can be an emptiness and a void to people telling us how what really what authentic love is. What what how do we experience that? And and that sex is is a piece of that, but it's not the the mega it's not the height of it, it's not the zenith that we're trying to shoot for, but it's a part of true and authentic love, but in a a proper context, too. Also, I think one thing we haven't talked about yet, which I think is really important
1: in this, is the relationship between sex and children. Mm -hmm. Because like, we live in a culture today which says that responsible sexual activity is (laughs) unprocreative. Sexual activity. So, like, what's response? Like, that's what most people, if they do have the conversation with their parents, what's responsible? And most certainly is being taught in the public school system, and sometimes even in Catholic
0: schools. Don't get pregnant. Is yeah. That's what it is is. that yeah. what is
1: responsible sex? Responsible sex is when you don't get pregnant, but that's called taking away the consequence of the act because the consequence of of sex, which biologically is true, that one of the consequences of sex is pregnancy. So if I take away the consequence or the end, the end result, which is pregnancy, then I have taken away the consequence, which the consequence of an act gives you meaning. Hmm. When you take away the consequences of an act, you make the act meaningless. So it's without meaning, not complete meaning, but you take away the meaning of the act. And like the profound beauty of a child, and that's what in the world today, how many people do we live in a society today where people are terrified of children? Yeah. I mean terrified of yeah. having children. Yeah. Terrified like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's going to be all these different problems. And so like the act of taking away the procreative end and that's what obviously an artificial contraception has done to philosophically the way in which we even look at the question of what is sex. Like sex is not about children unless unless it's something which I'm perfectly okay with at this point in my life. And in control it, of too. and I'm, yeah. I can yeah. completely control of being,
2: it. you know, you see someone with with multiple kids, and they say, "You know how that happened, right?" I mean, that's yeah. one of the common jokes. I mean, you know what's causing that? I mean, yeah. But
1: as opposed to this being a yeah. meaningful act with a beautiful consequence, now we have twisted in our minds that this has become a meaningless act, which is now the responsible way of, of doing this. But in that, like, there's this emptiness. Yeah. There's this comp- because, as opposed, to the way that like the beauty of what I tell my my couples is like, you know that you are ready to have sex with with your partner when you love them so much that you want your love to explode into a third person. yeah, Like that I love you so much that I want our love to become incarnated. I want it to become in flesh where it explodes with such profundity into existence that a new person comes to be, which is why obviously we're creating the image and likeness of God from our faith perspective. But this is not something which is a terrifying, I mean, it is terrifying, mm-hmm. but yeah. terrifying in an awe and wonder in like yeah. pro- profound way. But like now we look at, and that's where the modern mind Through the lens of without without philosophy and without faith, just looks at this as being okay.
2: Well, this can be whatever I want to be, and therefore we don't find meaning in it. But without that meaning, I mean, without that ultimate meaning, then we we put something else in there that means something to us, and so it does become fulfillment, but at a less you know less than what fulfillment really should be. It becomes scratches the itch. That's it. It just scratches the itch, and it leads you towards what you're ultimately going to but i don't want to i don't want to get there but i don't know that i don't want to get there i don't know what that fulfillment would would look like and so i just know that the 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 thing that i want to make me happy right now to make me feel like someone loves me right now is this moment and in ultimately coming to the to the end of it and realizing no that's not exactly what
0: is going to make me feel loved and fulfilled so it brings us back to one of our earlier topics as far as dating you know sex within the context of dating um as as catholics the moral teaching of that is recognizing that sex is is proper between a married couple because it's true they've actually made those vows to one another it's open to life all those things Uh, so within the context of dating maybe maybe just just briefly we can go around like what what impact can our faith and coming to know the Lord, coming to know the Catholic Church have on people's dating lives to make it better? And the first thing that just just comes to me and that is is recognizing that uh, relationships I think are so much better when they're in the context of a loving community. When it's it's not just, you know, obviously there's a very good times to, to be with just you and your blood, right? And go for right. that walk and everything, but to have friends and family. And support around you, and I think you know that, that our faith is, is always telling us that that even marriage itself is not just for the couple; it's for the sake of the whole community. And so, to open themselves up towards that, I think is is, is very is very freeing and, and, and healthy.
1: I think that what our faith has to provide is meaning, is purpose, a purpose beyond just the moment right here, right now. Because I want, I don't, I think that most people, I I, would, I believe that the human consciousness seeks deeper, lasting meaning. And that's where like the limitation of science and the scientific method in general can't provide that. And that's why we're relying exclusively upon psychology and upon modern science can only provide us with temporary meaning. But like if if the human heart desires more and if the human consciousness desires more where we want lasting meaning, we want lasting satisfaction, that's where we're gonna find that the faith, although it holds us to a higher standard and a higher bar, yes, is wait towards marriage, wait until marriage before you engage in this act, not because it's a, um, a dirty act but because it is something which is awesome and so like that's but in that in that in that strive for excellence like we find satisfaction which doesn't slip through our fingers isn't gone the following morning uh, when all of a sudden we're just left once again with loneliness like that's where like with our faith like we find that lasting meaning and
0: satisfaction that which the world cannot provide so, Doug, as a married Catholic priest with kids, uh, yeah. like, w- what does this mean for you as far as what you want for your kids in their dating relationships and as and as they move forward through life?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do hope that, that they can see that, that living a, a married life and, and the the meaning that we have in our marriage, that the the kind of relationship that my wife and I have with each other, that it's not perfect. This is not always going to be perfect, and sometimes that we we find that. That self-fulfillment, that meaning, even in that, in the imperfection of it. that, But not the imperfection in in a sinful way, but the imperfection in that we learn to live with each other and we still love each other all the way through this whole process. And so I I often pray at night that my children will find their Amanda, that, that they will find someone that will love them the way my wife loves me. I want them to find someone that loves them because my wife is very selfless. She is very, always thinking of the other. She's always giving, and so her fulfillment and the meaning that she feels in our marriage, lots of times, most of it is towards me, not self-fulfillment, but mm-hmm. fulfillment of giving and giving to the other. And I think that's one of the beauty, beautiful things you see inside of marriage itself is, is that marriage isn't for self-satisfaction. Marriage is for the good of the other, which is the way Aqu- Aquinas you know, defined love: the good of the other. And so, in marriage, we're able to. Look at that, and to see that, and, and I'm hoping my children can get to see that, even when we're not so good to each other. But that they're able to see that this is what a loving relationship is like. That we can work through these things, and that it's not all about sex. I think my kids probably don't even think about that. Thank God. But <laughs> you know that 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 it's not all about that. That it, there's yeah. more meaning. There's, it's more meaningful than just that act. But I mean, but think about how
1: I mean how countercultural that 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 is, is that sex is about me taking care of your needs, yeah. as opposed to sex being what I'm getting out of it. Right. Like the, my gratification, what I feel my needs are being met versus the Catholic perspective on sexuality and on sex is that I am pouring myself out for you, yes. emptying myself out upon you to take care of your needs. And the beauty of that, as opposed to, I'm just having to what, to
0: constantly feed and eat and consume. Yeah. The Well, it brings up too that, because you know, sometimes people will bring up the point as far as like a point of contention. Well, like you know, you shouldn't get married to somebody you haven't had sex to because you don't know if you're sexually, you know, you know. You should, you should, you should practice that beforehand. And in a sense that we should, you know, you, uh, if we're going to practice how to live a good marriage, you should be practicing in in self-sacrifice. You should be practicing in virtue and saying no to the things that I want because that's actually more what marriage is about. It really you know, is. the pleasure will take care of itself. You know, sure. <laughs> the sexual sure. and if sex, if it's coming from a place of Authentic I know that I'm loved by this person and right. it, and and we've made these vows to each other we're committed We're stable in our relationship. There's, there's gonna be uh, you know There's gonna be sexual satisfaction and attraction and all those things and that will constantly go deeper But if right. but if, if, it's, if it's coming from a place where my whole life I built myself up and our relationship up not in what can I get out of this? but how can I give as, as you said that to me is is, is such a cha- such a challenge that the church right. offers, but is so beautiful when it's lived, and even when it's not lived, when it's heard and received again, and repented, and mercy is given. Then we can step back into it. Right. Seeing marriage, you know, not seeing marriage as
2: a ticket to sex. I mean, I, I think sometimes that's what it's, it was presented as at one point is it, it was a ticket to sex. Now I can have as much sex as I want. I don't to.
1: Even, even St. Paul kind of alludes to that. Yeah, in, yeah. In yeah. He's like, if yeah. you
2: can't be celibate, yeah. you can't be like me, then, get, then go get married. Right. But, but mm-hmm. guys come into that thinking, oh, yeah, I, I can do it anytime I want now. So we'll do it all the time. That's the case, right? And that's, yeah, no, it's not <laughs> yeah. at all. And so you're right. I mean, you think of a married guy is not having to have any inhibitions just like someone who's not married i mean that that's the whole thing you come into it dating you're not having any inhibitions not waiting not sacrificing not you know placing the other before yourself and then when you get into marriage you have this big confusion about well i thought we were supposed to be able to do it anytime we wanted to and it's like, well, we can, but this, you know, I mean, this isn't, I don't feel like it, or this isn't you a good the, You learn
1: the real meaning of responsible you and do. responsibility.
2: And of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, and of, again, putting the other's needs before yourself, fulfilling them more so than fulfilling yourself. And I think it's
1: like for, the, for those who are not looking
2: for sex as just
1: as a tool for gratification, but like people who really are looking at it deeper, like they're looking for the emotional connectedness, I think it's so important that like we recognize that like that is possible, like emotional connectedness is possible outside of the sexual sphere. And like when we create emotional connectedness only and exclusively through the sexual sphere, like there are times which mm-hmm. as couples, like married couples, they're not able to have sexual relations, whether because of a biological uh, problem you just had got had a child again for any number of reasons and then like if 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 our emotional connectedness is tied exclusively to the sexual act and then all of a sudden that disappears for some reason because of the consequences of life and as things happen, what the danger is is that like, all of a sudden that emotional connectedness is then gone.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And like, I, have no way of, I have no way of actually being emotionally connected to this person outside of the sexual act. The sexual act is not available to us. Our emotional relationship's now gone, which I've seen actually happen in couples. And that's like a super danger. It's also why like during the dating period, what I talk to couples about is like, you need to be able to emotionally connect, spiritually connect outside of the sexual act. Mm-hmm. Right? Because with that, you're gonna have a stronger marriage and stronger relationship. And it doesn't become one dimensional because just the natural things of life, sex is not always available. So like, that's the relationship I think that's really important to help couples who are dating to see is like, no, we do need to have emotional intimacy. We do need to be spiritually connected. But we need to do it so that when its sexual activity is not available, like we have these other these it's, yeah. we have these other support systems in place, as opposed to having just one leg of emotional stability. That one leg is then removed because of an accident or because of a disease or something like that, and then so actually, all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And so, like having a, 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 the, the legs of a table as opposed to being just a single stool.
0: Yeah. I so think we want, it's, we want people to to live the fullness of sexual intimacy and 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 love and joy. And and that's through having a good foundation through their dating lives, and if God's calling them to marriage and the life of marriage. Well, guys, we're gonna, we're going to wrap up um, at this point, and we've a, a lot of points that that have been addressed. But as we uh, go out, I, I want to just just kind of maybe just go around. We can all just. Just sort of in in summary, in summary for everything, what difference does our faith make when we actually decide to live this? If someone is maybe on the fence with this, or or they're hearing this for the first time, to start to live the way the gospel is inviting us to live when it comes to dating, when it comes to sex, what difference does that make in our lives?
2: I mean, I think it means that we can make better choices. Uh, I think one of the things that it really does mean is we can make better choices about what we're doing because we're not allowing ourselves to be driven by our passions. We're not allowing ourselves to be driven by just our, our sheer nature of, of wanting something and, and having to have that fulfilled. But by sacrificial love, we're able to, to actually get more meaning out of it. I think lots of times it's, it's quality over quantity.
1: I think that our, our faith provides us the ability to be fully alive and that means fully sexually alive. Um, The words of John Paul II, uh, the great, uh, when he says, be not afraid, echoing Jesus' words to the apostles after the resurrection, like the Lord is calling us to the resurrection. He's not calling us to live in a dead state where we're deadened to our emotions, deadened to our hearts, deadened to what we actually desire. Um, And like when we live in this deadened state of just living for gratification and pleasure and just trying to cling and grasp and control for emotional stability and Strength, like we live, in this, we live in this half death. That's what the f- first letter of St. John talks about is like we're not fully alive. And in sin, we don't find satisfaction. We don't find happiness. We live like, like the living dead. So actually, <laughs> I, loved, yeah. I love John's zombie reference, yeah. but uh, <laughs> we live like the living dead. And like, but think about it. How many people experience like this half-life, this, mm. this yeah. being not fully alive, like craving something more. And that's what our faith offers us, is to be fully alive and not to be afraid. And not to be af- yeah. not to be afraid to live fully, not to be af- to be fully sexually alive, to be fully find our side. and that 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 requires discipline and balance. But that's where the faith provides us is something that the world and just the scientific method exclusively will just say you are an animal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: versus versus our faith says
0: you are a son or daughter of God. Amen. Uh, I would say, I would say for myself, uh, brothers, it's awesome talking with you and diving into this and, and for people to have um, the sex talks, <laughs> the sex talk with three priests. <laughs> um, just for me, it's always uh, hope and mercy too, that that any place where myself or anyone else has, has experienced brokenness, sexual brokenness, relationships that have fallen apart and the hurt, the, the devil's always trying to accuse there, but God's always speaking a word of, 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 of healing and hope and love. Um, so uh just really grateful for this time uh, for all of us. And I'm so grateful to you guys for for tuning in uh, to this latest episode of Catholic in America. Thank you so much for those uh, who are supporting us. And if you'd like to support us, uh, please check us out on Patreon. Please like, share and subscribe uh, this video and all the future podcasts that we might have. We look forward to seeing you next time on Catholic in America.